Hi, I'm Margie, and this is the new Spew's look at impeachment in the 25th Amendment. Impeachment is the first of several steps required to remove a government official from office. While it was first created and used in Britain... It has mainly been used in the U.S., with the biggest office being that of the President of the United States. The impeachment process was included in Article 2, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution back in 1787. Its biggest supporters of it were Benjamin Franklin, Alexander Alexander Hamilton, Hamilton, and yes, the first person it could have been applied to, George Washington. It states that the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Impeachment is the initial step in removing an official. The process requires both houses of Congress, each serving different functions. The House must first file formal charges. Then a trial conducted by the Senate. The court's in session. The court's in session. Ordinarily, the Senate will act as courtroom, jury, and judge, except for when it is a presidential impeachment trial. Now, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Then the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court steps in to act as judge. The Senate serves still, though, as jury and will require a two-thirds majority to convict. The penalty is usually removal from office and sometimes disqualification from holding any future offices. But this is a very rare move. We'll look at the history of impeachments next on the new Spew's Look at Impeachments and the 25th Amendment. Hi, I'm Margie, host of The Spew. I want to tell you about 342 Mad. It is a fresh marketing and design firm that really can help your business grow because they make it their business to market your business. You've got your hands full. You've got enough to do with your own business. You don't need to be the one that's handling the e-blast or the social media or, hey, maybe you need everything to help your business. How about a, a new imaging with the whole graphics, everything you need from a website to business cards to e-blasts? They can handle it. 342 Med is an amazing team of people that really love doing marketing. That's their business. So let them do their business so you can get back to doing your business and make bigger and better things happen with their work. Find out more about them at 342mad.com. That's 342mad.com. Here goes segment two on the new Spew's look at impeachment and the 25th Amendment. I'm your host, Margie. When you think of impeachment, you probably think of Clinton, Nixon, and perhaps Johnson. But there have actually been eight U.S. presidents that have faced impeachment. The first time it was rolled out was in 1843 against our 10th president, John Tyler. It is the ball of rolling on for Tippecanoe and Tyler, too. Not much of a case, though. A Virginia representative filed for an investigation of Tyler over his alleged abuse of his veto powers. A short debate led to a quick dismissal of that impeachment charge. Bye, bye, goodbye. Andrew Johnson was next. 
He was still serving the rest of Abraham Lincoln's term when in 1868, his decision to dismiss Secretary of War Edwin Staten led to the impeachment process. What? The problem? The year before, Congress voted into law the Tenure of Office Act. It prohibited the president from removing officials confirmed by the Senate without the legislative body's approval. This time, it made it through the House and off to the Senate. The court's in session. But there weren't enough votes to remove him from office, so he finished the rest of his term. So, a hundred years fly by, and we get to Richard Nixon. Wait! Uh, there actually were threats of impeachment against Grover Cleveland, Herbert Hoover, Harry Truman, and then after Nixon, there were also threats of impeachment against Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush. Read my lips. Not enough support to get these threats past the House and into the Senate, though. But pushing further into the process, we must look at Nixon and his vice president, Spiro Agnew. We are inundated with rumor, hearsay, grand jury leaks, speculation, and statements from undisclosed sources. It's entirely possible that some of this may later prove to be accurate. This became such a big deal because it wasn't just the president who was facing impeachment, but also the vice president. The weird thing was, is they weren't for the same crimes. Nope. Spiro Agnew was not facing charges about Watergate. He was under pressure over charges of bribery, extortion, scandal, and tax evasion that pretty much started when he first started into politics and went all the way up into his vice presidentship. Uh, as far as the vice president is concerned, I have said uh, that he has denied the charges that have been made against him, uh, that he is entitled to the presumption of innocence, which is the right of every American citizen. And I urge all of my fellow Americans to give him that presumption of innocence, as I certainly do. He agreed to resign rather than face impeachment on the same day. He also pled no contest to a single federal count of failing to report on his income tax. Now, Nixon was on the hook for Watergate. Huh? Short version, arranged for his cohorts to break into the Democratic headquarters at the Watergate complex to steal documents and wiretap phones, then attempted a massive, ugly cover-up. The House of Representatives approved three articles of impeachment against Nixon. But before the Senate could play their part, in 1974, Nixon resigned. You don't have Nixon to kick around anymore. Okay, so let's jump ahead to 1998. the impeachment of Bill Clinton. The allegations were of perjury and obstruction of justice stemming from a lawsuit filed against him relating to the Monica Lewinsky scandal. What? Okay, a super short version. In turn, bad husband. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. DNA, blue dress, pre-Me Too movement. Okay, now I got it. Okay. The House of Representatives overwhelmingly approved two articles of impeachment against the president, but Clinton was ultimately acquitted by the Senate the next year. It's like, wow. And he finished his second four-year term in office in 2000 with huge approval ratings. Like, wow. So you see, impeachment is not the end all that people may hope it to be. It is more often than not a mere permanent asterisk on a president's term. When we come back, the new spew will look at the 25th Amendment and how it can affect the office of Commander-in-Chief.
Hi, I'm Margie, host of The Spew. I want to tell you about 342 Mad. It is a fresh marketing and design firm that really can help your business grow because they make it their business to market your business. You've got your hands full. You've got enough to do with your own business. You don't need to be the one that's handling the e-blast or the social media or, hey, maybe you need everything to help your business. How about a, a new imaging with the whole graphics, everything you need from a website to business cards to e-blasts? They can handle it. 342 Med is an amazing team of people that really love doing marketing. That's their business. So let them do their business so you can get back to doing your business and make bigger and better things happen with their work. Find out more about them at 342mad.com. That's 342mad.com. This is segment three of the new Spews look at the impeachment process and the 25th Amendment. I'm your host, Margie. While impeachment was in the works from the time of our first president, the 25th Amendment didn't get ratified until 1967. The The 25th gives us more clarification as to who has the power to declare the president unfit to serve or prevent the president from returning to office. Now we've got your attention. Prior to the 25th, each administration came up with their own plan on what to do about presidential or vice presidential vacancies and reinstatement. This left us wide open to interpretation, which led to a lot of confusion and in some occasions, deceit. What? You don't say. Or as Mrs. Woodrow Wilson might have admitted our first female president. You see, back in 1919, W.W. had a series of strokes, some neurological issues, and then a massive stroke that he never recovered from. His cabinet thought with two years left in his presidency, perhaps it was time to hand things over to his vice president. But Mrs. Edith Wilson thought otherwise. She apparently conspired with his doctor to keep his condition a secret from both Congress and the public, leaving the United States without a duly elected leader. Life is stranger than fiction. Imagine trying to write this into a TV show plotline today. It would never fly. Don't worry. I have a plan. And thanks to the 25th Amendment, it no longer has the possibility of happening. Sadly, it was President John Kennedy's assassination that finally brought the matter up for debate. In the confusion after he was shot, they weren't sure if LBJ was also injured or possibly killed. Was he able to take the office? If not him, then who? Amendments and administrations in the past had been back and forth as to who it would be, the Speaker of the House or members of the President's Cabinet that should take over. With the 25th Amendment passed, it deemed that the Speaker of the House succeeds the vice if both the President and the Veep were unable to hold office. What am I supposed to do now? I'm the Vice President of the United States! But who decides if the President is not capable of holding office? Well, if the President's going to have, say, surgery where he'll be down for a while... He writes a letter to the speakers of the House and the leader of the Senate. Then when he feels up to it, he writes letters that he's ready to come back and there's really no problem. But what if there is a problem? Allegedly, this came up towards the end of Ronald Reagan's second term. When I go in for a physical now, they no longer ask me how old I am. 
They just carbon date me. Apparently, the inner circle knew he might have Alzheimer's, but decided they could cover for the well-liked president. However, if they had followed Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, it would have required that the vice president and a majority of a body of Congress to declare in writing to the leaders of the Senate and the House that the president is unable to perform the duties of the office and the vice president would immediately become the acting president. The president would be able to argue his case against this ruling, but then it would be up to Congress as a whole to vote on whether the Veep or the president would keep that gig. So what if the Veep is also considered unfit? Say the president starts showing signs of dementia while the Veep is trying to recover from a stroke? Huh. They haven't figured that out just yet. It may require another section of the 25th. And if that happens, well, we'll be only too happy to roll another episode of the new Spew on it. Until then, if you're feeling kind of like, wow, this seems like it's harder to get rid of a president than you thought. Um, you know, there is the best option. Let's get registered to vote and then actually turn up and vote. I'm Margie, your host of the new SPEW. Want to thank our sponsor, 342MAD. 342MAD.com, where you get fresh marketing and design solutions for your growing business. Bye-bye, goodbye, bye-bye, bye-bye.